You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. Father, we come to you prayerfully at your bidding. The leading of your Holy Spirit, the invitation to come to the living water, your son, and the life that he He is and he offers us, and we say we want more. Holy Spirit, you were left, as Jesus said, on this world so that we would not be alone. We wouldn't be orphanos, orphans. That you'd be with us and you would come in us. You would come upon us. We just want to pause and thank you for the experience of our God. What you do when you reveal more of yourself to us, when you open up your word to hearts that are open to receive, we worship you. For those here, those outside, those overflow areas, those online, Holy Spirit, unite our hearts. Knit our hearts. May there be an audience of one, and may it be you, Jesus. For those that have yet to give their life to you, we pray this morning. They would be saved and give their life to you. Be our teacher. May we not be anything close to what we were when we walked into this room. Make us more like you, Jesus. Glorify yourself. Bring glory to yourself through this place, through this work, this blood-bought, redeemed church. We need you. Speak to us. In Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen and amen. Why don't you turn around and say hi to some people around next to you, then find a seat. Let's turn our Bibles over to the book of Acts, chapter 2. We're going to continue studying the birth of the church. Sitting down yesterday, reflecting upon some old notes and going through different passages, just enjoying the Lord, and I felt... As we were looking at this passage, I, I was like, wow, Lord, Pentecost. I th- and I just began to sense he wanted to do something fresh and new. And, and I'm like, I, and I immediately was drawn to start texting people that I know would pray. And, and the thought occurred to me, just start texting everybody and, and ask them to, to pray that God would just pour out his spirit on us tomorrow. This is where we're going. So I got my phone, and you know, you have those, like, that's just your flesh, Lance, and just, you go back and forth, and right about then, I got a ping on my phone, and a ding on my computer, and, uh, and I'm looking, and it was a, a bro I hadn't talked to in a long time in Japan, and he was texting and emailing that very thought, at that very minute. And I mean, it was almost the exact words that I was, like, going to start texting, and I thought, okay, wait a minute, 
this is, this is so much larger than me. Like right now, the same Holy Spirit is speaking to me. is speaking to one of my compadres, uh, Japanese, one of my hermanos in Japan. <laughs> at, the, at the same time. And, and he was saying the same thing to all of this, this giant group of pastors that we all talk. He's just saying the same thing. And I was like, wow. And so I, I, I came here with just anticipation to just become a little boy in the foot of my father and just hang out with him today. I pray you're experiencing that. I really, really do. Pentecost. 120 people. How many heard the invitation from Jesus before he was, had ascended to heaven those days following his resurrection? 50 days following his his crucifixion on Passover, his Pentecost. How many people heard him say, go to Jerusalem and tarry? Maybe the 12, minus Judas of the 11, and they told others, we don't know. But 120, as we examine the birthing of the church, who did it start with? Where did it begin? In this city of Jerusalem on a holy day, one of the three major feasts. And... They, for 10 days, were just, they were just hanging out. They're doing what we just did. You can identify with that. They, they were like, we're going to make some time, and we're going to go hang out. Jesus, you know, he invited us to do this. He commanded us to do this. He's been talking about we need to do this. There's this promise of the Father, and he told us that as John baptized people in water, there was an immersion involved in that. So not many days from now, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, they believed that. It, it moved them. They didn't just hear it. It impacted them. What he said impacted them. Then what he said would happen if they would be obedient, and they were, and they gathered, he impacted them again. And their whole journey with Jesus would be just that. Following his word obeying him, following his lead through the direction of the Holy Spirit, and just he would continue to impact them. And when we think about that, isn't that the journey? Isn't that the journey of following Jesus? Do we really believe he's raised from the dead? Do we really believe that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, is doing exactly what he said he would do as he would return to the Father? See, it should impact us. As they were gathering there, they hear a sound in verses 1 through 4. It's supernatural. God is doing something. But they were impacted by it. They heard a mighty rushing wind sound. They heard this. The Spirit's just, it's supernatural. It's bizarre. We'll get to heaven and go, well, you did some bizarre stuff. And the, the Lord answers us there. He'd be like, well, what part do you want to talk about? The parting of the Red Sea? That was bizarre, wasn't it? I mean, go through all the bizarrity that God did on this planet. And you're like, you're just amazing. But they hear something. It impacted their ears. God touched them. Then they looked around, and there were like these things that looked like divided tongues on each 120 of them. They're like, oh, you've got a divided tongue of fire thing on your head. So do you. 
And then these Galileans, most of them from Galilee, they were up north. Today we have people who, who visit us from maybe out of our state. They're from Georgia. You're like, where are you from? And then they say with a twang right back to you, no, where are you from? We have people from the Bronx, people from, 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 from New York, and they, they use all kinds of different words. They, 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 we park our car. They, they do something else. It's a whole other word, a whole other phrase. And, and, and it just, we know distinctly by their inflectuations in their voice, by their, by their, just how they accentuate certain words, where they are from. Most of these were Jew, Galileans. They were, they were what we might ref, refer to today as, as country folk. Country bumpkins. Poorer, farm type, with distinct accents who were part of a diverse group of people as far as Egypt, all around the Mediterranean, all these people that would come as Jews and even proselytes, people that had converted to Judaism, they would come to commemorate Tabernacles, Passover, and Pentecost. And it's Pentecost. It's just a massive, swelling group of people in, in Jerusalem proper. But up in the upper room were the disciples, some of Jesus' siblings, and, and other followers, some of the women that were part of his entourage as he traveled, they were obedient. They were there. The Spirit comes. They hear, oh, it's like a mighty rushing wind. Tongues of fire. And they begin to speak in different tongues. It impacted them. It, there's no way you're going to say it didn't impact them. The supernatural phenomena of God working in their midst impacted them. You, you just... They would never be the same. They would just never be the same. Yesterday I was, I was praying, just my, the ache of my heart was, Lord, take us deeper as a church, please. Please. And, and, and the first service I was standing in the back, and I just was, I was in the back door, I was just weeping. It just, the Spirit just touched me. And I was like, this is so great. May everybody just feel your, your touch right now. And, and I'm not suggesting we pursue the experience. Listen, we pursue Jesus who we experience. Years ago when the girls were little, they, they would watch Dad. And I, I'm not a big TV guy, but the, the angels had a good team that year. That was supernatural, so I thought I would watch. They won the World Series that year. So they watched their dad become enamored with this team. I just started watching them. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, look at this guy. And, and I knew about this guy named Adam Kennedy. And I started informing girls, oh, Adam Kennedy, this is who he was. Look at him. He's such a, you know. And, and then uh, uh, Guerrero, this guy, Guerrero, man, this guy can hit the ball. My girls were little. And they just became enamored with the angels that year. Enamored. They could tell you about, you know, trout, sal different fish. Tr salmon was on the team that year. They just knew the players. They knew some of their stats. Little girls. And listen, they used to walk by watching me watch their games and not move. It didn't impact them at all. But the moment that I informed them a little bit about who these players were and just, just something significant about their life, their abilities, they were drawn in. They began to follow. And now when the angels would start playing a game, 
The girls, wins the game, wins the game. They were impacted by this. They were followers now. So, so much so that, like, they, they would not let us miss a game. Going into the World Series, they were like, oh, Dad. And, and I remember we just watching my little girls when, when Guerrero would get up to bat. He's going to hit a home run. There was this anticipation of what was going to happen. They were impacted by something they were informed about. They weren't ignorant. When they were ignorant, they were, in, they were, just, they, they, they were not moved. When the angels won the World Series, they're like, they're having a parade. We've got to go to the parade. Oh, yeah. We went to the parade. I don't think they've had a parade in a while. But the, the, a few years later, we would go to Japan. And, and we were planning churches in Japan. And some of the guys were like, hey, do you guys want to go to a, a baseball game? And Tokyo Giants, are, they're going to win it all. And they're, you know, Yeah, let's go. So we go. And. Very different culture, different world. I knew nothing about the Tokyo Giants or the Swallows who they're playing and all these other stuff. I knew nothing. We went there, and I was more intrigued at just what was going on around. Like, like this is really weird. This is strange. We, we sat in the, the outfield. There's two outfield sections, and everybody in our section was Tokyo Giant fans. You couldn't sit in that section if you weren't, and you couldn't sit in the Swallow section unless you were a Swallow section. And so they had bands leading each section. They had flags. And then our Japanese friends even told us, look, you, you have to root. You have to. It's like the, you're going to get in trouble if you don't root in the section. And you cannot root for the other side in the section. I'm like, yeah, we'll see. Swallow guy got up, hit a home run, and I did one of these, yeah! Seriously, a Japanese guy came in a white coat with a megaphone. I got to on Sit down, son. Sit down. Maybe sit down. Weird. Squid on a stick, no hot dogs. Strange. Whenever they hit a home run, they run back out into the right, right by the pitcher and they bow to everybody. It's strange. But I was not moved. Every time one of the giants got up and did something good, all the Japanese in my area were just, yeah, drums, flags going. They went nuts. I was not moved. You get the point. How many of you guys know that, as it says in Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? forever. A bunch of people in the first service yelled out, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, but they would be on that, too. They were moved. They were never the same. Never the same. So the supernatural phenomena of the wind and the fire and the, you know, the tugs of fire on their head and all that, we don't read about that anymore in the book of Acts. We read about them speaking in tongues, the followers of Christ, throughout the book of Acts. Paul, again, refers to it as a spiritual gift in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Chapter 14 talks about the order of how that gift should be used in the church, they were impacted. They were never the same. Following Jesus, obeying Jesus, believing and holding on to his promises, putting themselves in line of the fulfillment of his promise, impacted them. They were, they were never the same. So, this brings us to verse 5, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews. So now we had Luke say this is what was going on inside of the room when the church was birthed. 
Now he's going to take the focus and say, this is what's going on outside of the room with the onlookers. There were dwelling in Jerusalem during Pentecost. Jews, devout Jews, would be in Jerusalem at Pentecost from every nation under heaven. This a broad group of people. And when this sound occurred, they heard the multitude came together. What is that sound? And they were, they were confused by the sound because everyone heard them speak in their own language. They were all amazed. They were marveled. They said to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Again, people converted to Judaism. Cretans, Arabs. All of these are the people, like, they're on the outside of this room, tripping out on what's going on in the inside of this room. And, and we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. We're all amazed. We're perplexed. And they said to each other, whatever could this mean? It's Dr. Luke. I like to call him Dr. Detail. He, he, he like... Just in observing all of this, he's like, there is at least 15 different distinct countries that made up this group that were around the upper room, men that spoke different dialects. The more common dialect at the time that Jesus walked on the earth was Aramaic. Greek would have been popular. A lot of people would have been multilingual. But Jesus would have spoke Aramaic. The disciples would have spoke Aramaic. They would have understood Greek. But then beyond this, the effect of Judaism, the spread of Judaism, went to far-reaching areas, Arab nations that we would note as today. The whole around the Mediterranean, up into Asia. These people made a pretty long truck, trek. And they would, they would, they would come together and, and they would commemorate Pentecost. And, and we talked about what Pentecost was a couple of weeks ago, but as they are there, they're, they're drawn, maybe first and foremost, to the same sound of the Holy Spirit when he came, the, this mighty rushing wind. What is that? And then all of a sudden, as they get a little bit closer, you can just, just role play this. You have guys from different regions going, wait a minute. And somehow there was the interaction enough to where they understood these were Galileans. And it could be, by the way, the way that they dressed. It could have been by just, you know, listening in the sense of who are they? I know that person. We don't know. But there was the clear understanding that these people were from a distinct area. They were from the Galilee. They were farmers, pump, country bumpkin types. And they should not be speaking in our dialect but they're speaking perfectly in our dialect. And as these different people began to say, wow, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing something in my native tongue, the language my grandparents taught me, up in that room by one of those Galileans, and, and they're, they're praising God, and they're just 
like extolling him for the wonderful work that he's done. And someone else would say, I'm hearing my dialect, and, and I'm hearing the exact same thing. So I believe in the upper room you have a bunch of Christians. Well, they're, they're now followers of Christ, they're Christians. But you have a, a bunch of true believers. They really believed in Jesus. They were all in. And I, I believe they were probably amazed themselves at what was going on. It was something they had never experienced. This morning, it hit me. They would have showed up quite possibly with the same anticipation that many of us showed up with today. And that is this. Yesterday was really cool. But we only experienced God, we've only experienced God up to this point. And, and, and so this next time as we all gather, it's, it's kind of my, my perception of what it's going to be like and what he's going to do is largely based on what he's been doing. And that's why I go to the same service. That's why I sit in the same chair. That's why I park in the same spot. That's why it's just this, this rut that we can find ourselves in. But when Pentecost, on Pentecost this happened, let's just call it their Pentecost happened, they didn't know it would be that day. It could have been the next day, the following day, or the following day. What if today is designed by God before the foundations of the earth for you as one of his kids to be your Pentecost? What, just follow me here. What if today... God looked at this world as backwards as it's becoming, as everyone calling evil good and good evil, as we see. And he's like, I, 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 need, I need to pour out my spirit on my bride and the church so they can be effective. You see, he looks at us I don't care what the world and whatever the identity the world has put on us. He looks at us as his blood-bought bride. And he's like, I love you. I adore you. I, I want to work in you. I want to work through you. It's not by might, not by power, your flesh. It's by my spirit. What if today, I, I don't know, God just said today's Lahabra's Pentecost. What if he's just, I don't know. What if it's yours? They had theirs. They were impacted. They weren't the same. They were experiencing a promise that the Father had made through the prophet Joel. They were the chosen ones. It was this day, it was this place, it was now. Up until this event, the, 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 the church was just, you know, it was something to be imagined. It was something to be anticipated. But now what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church and the gates will not prevail against it. It's now reality. They had no idea what that would be, but it is. And it's now going to grow and they're going to be instrumental in the advancement of that.
It was their Pentecost. It was a foreordained plan of the Father to begin something unique and fresh and new in each one of them. And collectively, they would, they would become the church. And he would begin this amazing thing of advancing the gospel, the message that lost souls would need to hear in order to be saved through them. It was new. It was fresh. There were those that were, were watching, and some, it says, in verses 12 and 13, they were amazed, they were, they were perplexed, and they were like, what, 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 what's this mean? You know, whatever could this mean? Others were like, these people are, they're drunk, they've been drinking way too much wine. But I like the question. Whatever could this mean? It means that Jesus will meet those who are obedient and willing and just waiting upon him to fulfill his promises in their life. That's what this means. It means that the Holy Spirit brings new life to those who are all in. Truly, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. (laughs) Here I am. I'm going to follow you. New life. It means continuing power to those who are seeking to be continually filled, even today. It means imparted, empowered spiritual gifts that will unite us and enable us to advance his work as his church. It means the work of God continues on in us and through us in ways that we could have never imagined in ways that we could never realize in our own efforts. Being filled with the Spirit is essential in order for the most essential family on the planet, which is God's family, to remain essential in expanding and advancing the mission of our Heavenly Father. In our study on being filled with the Spirit out of Ephesians chapter 5, a couple of Wednesday nights back, Paul there was saying, listen, make sure you guys walk circumspectfully, not as fools, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And that's that's what I was drawn to. That's I was like, this fits. He's like, don't be unwise. Okay, how how can I not be unwise? Understand what the will of the Lord is. (laughs) Oh, okay. Don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. Don't be destroying yourself with anything that you put into yourself that will control you other than the Holy Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. Present, passive tense. Be being filled with the Spirit. Okay, then then Paul is going to point out four things that that are going to manifest in our life and in our midst as a church when we are, in fact, filled with the Spirit. And I just want to bring out a couple of those points. Number one, there was, there was recognizable communication in their midst. What was that communication? They were speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. On Pentecost and the following days, through the work of the Holy Spirit, believers were united in the core of their being. You know, when I would... When I would 
go to an Angel game, prefacing that one amazing year that they had, that, that I went to a, a playoff game, and I noticed that, that every time, you know, something happened with that team in the positive, everybody that was all in, the red cap, the red shirt, the, the, the jersey, the, we're here, we're just on the edge of our seat when something would happen, especially like a run would score, the whole stadium would stand up at once. The core of their being, they were united. <sighs> They'd lose their minds. And that is an American pastime that influences us to the point where we talk about them in the first person. We say when the Angels won a game, if you were an Angels fan, we won. We did this. We did that. And you're like, we? I get you paid an outrageous price of money for that ticket. You're part of it now. But that's an American pastime. That's a sport. It's entertainment. And it will influence a person's life so much so that I've done funerals where the whole theme of the funeral is the, the team they followed. That's what impacted everybody through their life. But believers who are being filled with the Spirit are also united at the core of our being by who we have passionately give time to understand and learn about and follow, and his name is Jesus. And I pray at your funeral, he is on display. I pray that if I do your funeral, you do mine, or however that all works out, I pray we all go up together and none of us have to do any of them. But, dun, 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 dun. all right, let's go. But I just, I just pray that it's, you, 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 he's, he's influenced you so much and impacted you so much that it's just undeniable, and that's what's on display. Amen? So they were, they were just united at the core of their beings. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I don't know if you were united at the core of your being with others here as we were worshiping the only one that's worth worshiping. But that's what happens when we are being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're being filled with information about a team that you're enamored with, you begin to love that team. You love them. I have heard people talk about the Dodgers. I, I, I bleed blue. See? But when you're filled with the Spirit, you're filled with God. And now there's a greater love for him that supersedes all other loves. You're, you're filled with a greater love for his word. It supersedes a love that drives you to make this a read over any other read. You just can't get enough. You're filled with, because he's the living word. We, we, we're in love with the author. We can't get enough of him. Not just head knowledge. When you're filled with the Spirit and you're reading 
this. It impacts your heart. It impacts your heart. You love him more. You're loving him more. And then you're loving the instruction more, the direction, the promises. You're loving his mission. You're loving his people. You're just, you just want, you just love his people. You've got to be with them. You love the lost. They've got to know. they just, they just got to know. Lori and I were trying to take a break last week, and I told her, I go, there's just no break in the kingdom. None. You just, you, everywhere you go, you're talking to some guy, and next thing you know, it's like, here we go again. And I'm not saying it in a negative, but sometimes you're like, can I just be with my bride for like 10 minutes without this guy wanting to know about you? You're like, let's see, that. that's why you're there. Yeah, it is. But I'm also human. And that love for the lost, it never goes away if you're being filled with the Spirit. If you're being filled with the Spirit. If you're being filled with the Spirit. Galatians 5 talks about what that means, what it looks like. What's the fruit of that? Love. Joy. You show me a Christian that has no joy, and I'll show you a Christian that is not being filled with the Spirit. Peace, goodness, self-control, gentleness. When a believer is experiencing a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, listen, they're going to be intoxicated with God. What does that look like when you see somebody intoxicated with the spirits of the world? I've had some of my friends that have come over in the past, and the, you know, just the high school. The, I barely know them, but they're like, I love you, bro. That's a weird love. I don't barely know you, but you're telling me you love me because you're drunk? No, no, we become intoxicated with God, and then we have his heart. His heart that loves people unconditionally. I don't need the, the control and the outside influence of something that alters my mind and my thinking because I have God within me and he's filling me. And it's his love that's changing how I see people, how I treat people, how I talk to people. This is the beginning of this. This is where it began. This is what they were experiencing. We're just talking about the, the, the initial moment of what they saw happening and how they spoke in tongues and how people responded to this. But this is now who they were. This is what they began to experience. This is what, along with seeing Jesus raised from the dead, now the Spirit working in their hearts, this is what drove them forward and, and brought them to a place where they would talk boldly enough and consistently enough about Jesus that it would put them all before someone that would take their life in a very gruesome, martyrous way. There was joy that marked these people, singing and making melody in their hearts to the Lord. There was thanksgiving. There was submission to one another. We could go through that, that whole deal. But it was a transformation. They were changing the Holy Spirit came upon them. They're filled. And, and, and this was going on deep down inside of them. And then it overflowed and impacted all of them. That's what should happen every time we gather as believers. 
It was Vance Havner, a, a, a writer, a Christian writer, who says, we are not going to move this world by criticism of it, nor conformity to it, but by the combustion within the lives ignited, the lives of the followers of Christ ignited by the Spirit of God. So, some are just absolutely perplexed. They're, they're amazed. They're marveling as they watch all of this. And others are like, whatever could this mean? What is going on here? This, of course, brings Peter. You remember Peter, the fisherman that Jesus called. The, 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 the guy who, when he walked with Jesus out of all of the twelve question Jesus. He would end up denying Jesus. This is that Peter who Jesus found the day that he was raised from the dead. He would find him a week later on the Sea of Galilee fishing. He would call Peter in, have a little sidebar with him, talk about his love for Peter. He would commission him, tell him to go love and feed his sheep and his lambs. You're going to be a shepherd. That Peter. Now he's in Jerusalem. He's been hanging out with Jesus, following the resurrection before the ascension, listening to him talk about the amazing things involving the kingdom of, of heaven and, and, and heard him say, go, don't leave Jerusalem, hang out in Terry. That, this is Peter. And now, now Peter, he's going to be completely not what he was. And in order for him to become what God had called him to be and gifted him to be, he needs the Holy Spirit to empower him. The Holy Spirit has now empowered them. And and because of all of the the, the curiosity and all of the the buzz outside the room of people going, what is this? And people are mocking and saying they're drunk. Peter's like, hold on. And this, this sets up the first sermon in the church. It sets up the first of a series of sermons in the church. And Peter, we're not going to be able to go through this whole thing because we're going too slow. But Peter's going to hit three big things. He's going to talk about, like, he's going to explain what's happening. Then he's going to explain why it happened or how it happened. And then he's going to explain why it happened. But the, the focus in this message is going to be on Jesus being the Messiah, the Son of God. He's going to walk through and help them understand who he is. Understand, this is Peter. Peter is a Jew. He's talking to Jews that have come from all really far journeys, maybe weeks. They're all in Jerusalem. It's a Jewish holy day. It's in Jerusalem on a holy day. And he is going to stand up. Peter, who denied Jesus. Peter, who challenged Jesus. Peter, who is now filled with the Holy Spirit. He's going to have to work through so much. We read this sermon and sometimes we just take the the person out of it. We we, we forget his humanity and, and like what the Holy Spirit works through in order to do the work that he's called us to do. By a show of hands in this room, as an example, just raise your hand if you believe that the Holy Spirit could do anything in and through your life. You just believe he could do it. If he called you to do it, you believe he could do it. Raise your hands. You just believe he can. Okay, I think that's about all of us. 
Okay? Now put yourself in Peter's sandals. You've never done what I'm doing here before, let's just say. You've never done this. We have 12 minutes and 45 seconds later left. I'm going to look at one of you right now, and I'm going to ask you to come up here and finish my message. And I'm going to ask you to give an invitation. Then after that, I'm going to ask you to go over there and pick up that guitar and lead us in the closing song. <laughs> Why are you laughing? You just raised your hands. I believe that if it's the Holy Spirit, Lance, let's go. What you just maybe felt, because you really went there for a second, he might look at me, it might be me. Oh, no. I'm that guy, by the way. I'm the guy that sat out there and went, I will never, ever do that. (laughs) Funny God we got. Peter had a lot going on, man. From a fisherman to a shepherd, there was a lot of, like, years of making him more like Jesus. Do you realize that he gives this sermon to Jews, passionately preaches Jesus, For the next 10 years, Peter will doubt that non-Jews can be saved. We are a a work in progress, amen? amen? But it's that first step. Peter is going to, he's going to give this sermon, we'll get to it next week, but let, let, me, let me bring out something before we close of what we're going to learn through the book of Acts, see in the book of Acts, because it is the church being the church. It's their focus. As we go through the book of Acts, we're going to see five consistent points being stressed over and over. It's the focal point of the church. Number one, they present Jesus as the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. What does that mean? That means that the audience they would go to would need to understand scriptural reference to who Jesus is. And over and over and over, that's what they're going to do. Number two, they will describe him as God in human flesh. Number three, they're going to focus on his life his work, especially his death, burial, and his resurrection. Fourthly, they're going to speak a whole lot about his coming back for them, the second coming. Number fifth, they will declare that salvation is found in him alone. And if you don't accept him, they will talk about damnation. Eternity apart from him. There is no part of what I just said that you couldn't explain to someone. What was the church? Men and women intoxicated with Jesus, filled with the Spirit, giving explanation, just like Peter's doing here, of what this means. That's it. There was something so different about them that they would continue to explain what this new life means. The what? 
the how and the why. Peter's sermon, what he does here, they continue to do, as I am doing right now, 2,000 years later. If a church is going to be effective in advancing the gospel in people's lives, in its community, throughout the world, we will need to present Jesus. We'll need to be able to explain to them who he is out of the word of God. We will need to explain that he is God in flesh. We're going to need to be able to explain his life. He was born a virgin and just walk right through his ministry years, what he did, what he said, what he taught, his death, his, bezer- his, his burial, his resurrection. We're going to have to stay focused on the fact that he is coming back for us. If we are going to be essential and effective in advancing his church at this time in our generation. It is no time to focus and promote the programs of man. It is time to focus on and promote Jesus, Son of God, the Savior of the world. As we go through the book of Acts, there's going to be a series of messages and and conversations that we're going to be looking at. You're going to go, wow, they really focused on him a lot. We'll get to chapter 4. And, and Peter and John, they're like so bold in proclaiming Jesus that the religious leaders see it. And it says in verses 13, 14, they perceive that they were uneducated and untrained men. But then they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Chapter 5, the apostles are ministering, and the high priest heard about it there in Jerusalem, had enough, had them thrown in prison. But at night, and the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said this, and I quote verse 20, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and they taught. What life? Your new life in Christ. Go, go talk about what that is. Share with them the, the, the what, the how and the why. Acts 5.27, the high priest hears about this. He brings them in before the council. And he says, like, didn't we strictly warn you and command you not to Teach in the name of Jesus. That just gives you an idea of what they were fixated on, what their focus was. And it says, and look, listen, you have filled all of Jerusalem with this doctrine. Question. Could that be said about your marriage, husband? Could that be said about your family? Could that be said about you and your workplace? You and your neighborhood. You and your softball team. You and your whatever group you're part of. You've just filled this place with the doctrine of Jesus. How about the storms that you've been in or are going through? The valleys. How about last year? 
could that be said of you as it reflects to the year 2020? That year, man, Lance or you, just, it was all about the doctrine of Jesus. Just, could it be said about our church? Good questions. In Acts 8, it tells us that a great persecution is going to break out against the church. And it says that those believers scattered, preaching the word of God. Acts 8, it says that Peter and Philip and John continued preaching Jesus. Acts 9, when, when Paul will be converted, immediately he began to proclaim in, in the synagogues Jesus, that he is the Son of of God. Acts 11, it describes the ministry of these men from Cyprus and Cyrene. And they come to Antioch and they begin to speak to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And as we go through the book of Acts, that's the essential church doing what it is essentially called to do and birth to be. The content of preaching in Acts can be summed up in two Greek words. Procreriso, which is to proclaim, and then didasco, which is to teach. And in both of those words, in reference to the early church throughout the book of Acts, they are proclaiming Jesus, preaching about Jesus, and just teaching, educating people about Jesus. That's the church. That's what they did. They had taken the baton from Jesus And they ran with it in proclaiming him and teaching people about it. So Peter's going to stand up and he's going to preach this sermon. But time does not allow us to do that this morning. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. We're going to ask Mead to come up here. and thought it would be good to... um, Just have a few moments here. As me plays this song, leads us. Focus on the Lord, maybe close your eyes, tune out everything else, and just um, just ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit right now. Say, Lord, fill our church, fill me, fill my wife, my husband. Fill us with your spirit. And as you're doing that, I want you to really think through this. Over the years, I've had a number of people that have come up to me and they said, Pastor Lance, you know, you, we have these times where we're just like waiting on the Lord and, and I ask and I don't feel anything. Okay, that, don't, don't pursue the feeling. Pursue the person of Christ. Just pursue him. And then some people say, you know, I just, I, I, don't, I, I don't sense that he's, that the spirit is, coming upon me. I don't, I don't sense his presence. The love you talk about, the overflowing of God's heart that you talk about, the joy and the, 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 the uniting of the core of people, that all of that, you talk, I just don't experience it. Logically, just think through this. The Spirit comes upon us to empower us. The purpose of mind. Maybe right now he's like, I don't know, maybe you're, you're exactly where I was 28 years ago. And today's the day, I don't know, where he just wants to do something new 
to where your surf shop becomes his surf shop. To where it's, it's just a Pentecost moment. To where whatever, you know, he, he's doing this with a purpose in mind. Not just to give you some warm, fuzzy feelings in here. Oh, that was great, I had goosebumps. I'm not minimizing that. We do have goosebumps. We physiologically have response to God in his presence. But he also might say, you know, I want to pour out my spirit on you right now for A, B, C, or D. And maybe A, B, C, or D, you've already checked off. You could say, God, you can go this far, but not that far. No, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm, I, this boldness that you might give me right now, this, this, whatever you might do for my, your purpose in advancing your kingdom. You can control me, but only so far. That heart, I believe God is not going to fill. He fills a seeking heart, a surrendered heart, a heart that's like whatever, whatever. So really think through that. You might, while this song's being played, might even, things might come to your mind. They're excuses, fears, you know, just limitations you've put on God, your walk, your marriage, your business. And, 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 and like with Peter, he just wants to break through all of that. Doesn't matter what age or what stage. He just, he wants to pour out his spirit on you. But he wants to control you. Direct your next step. Your next decision. Influence. And so, while we're worshiping right now, he might even bring things to your heart you've not let go of. And, and that, right there, just give it to him. Say, I'm done. Repent. Let it go. And then just worship him. Allow him to fill you with his spirit. Let's go there. Let's worship the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
you guys.